Start jump sequence terminates, Captain. Get the gravitational dampers online and open the blast aye, shield. Aye, sir. Bring us in closer. Aye, aye, sir. Moving us in on sublight drive. Extreme magnification. Aye, sir. The center of the galaxy. And there's our black hole. The experience of a lifetime, Captain. Let me put this on audio. You should be able to hear the magnetic resonance from This is it, ladies and gentlemen. The edge of time and space where the impossible can happen. Welcome to the event horizon. Good evening, or morning, or afternoon, whatever is relevant for the part of the world you are in. Indeed, welcome to the event horizon where the impossible happens. Join us each week at this time for a journey into science fiction, fantasy, and science fact in all their forms. The Event Horizon features writers, lecturers, artists, filmmakers, and other talented creators of the fabric of this marvelous continuum we call science fiction. I'm your host, Gene Turnbow, founder and station manager of Krypton Radio, and with me is Susan Fox, the station's executive producer. Good evening. Or morning. (laughs) Or something. This evening, we have a great show for you. Our guest is Mike Barron, creator of the long-running comic book characters Nexus and Badger, and author of a number of science fiction novels, including his latest, Whack Job. Welcome to the show, Mike. Thank you. So tell us about, uh, uh, tell us about the book. Whack Job is an idea I've carried with me for 30 years. And when I first broached it 30 years ago, a science fiction editor said, are you out of your mind? Keep that to yourself. Don't even tell anyone. He's just going to hurt you. Uh, It's a a science fiction novel about spontaneous human combustion, which uh, starts to plague a number of world leaders. The president of the United States becomes very concerned and holds a top-secret meeting at which they determine it's a new form of terrorism. In order to stop it, they call on a guy named Otto White. His nickname is Aardvark, Otto Aardvark White. He's a former CIA agent who was let go because of mental problems. And the reason they call him Aardvark is he was forced to survive in the Libyan desert by eating ants. I was, so, uh, which I was ants, just about to ask that. Yeah. They're very tasty, by the way, if you fricassee them in a little olive oil. Anything's good with olive oil and a little garlic. You know? That's true. Or drawn butter, you know. Uh, what is a what is a lobster but a great big bug? <laughs> well, and, and, and what is, is a cockroach it, but a very small lobster? That is true. And if if you ate enough of it, though, wouldn't you like implode or something from eating all the ant eye matter? Uh, I don't know. You know, no. there are fat and pots that eat ants as part of their diet. If you watch Bear Grylls, he's always getting his people to eat grubs and stuff. There's a big movement afoot to uh, use uh, arthropods as, as, uh, you know, a protein source. I guess that's something that the corporations can't control on us. (laughs) Yeah, you can grow your own bogs. So... You started out being a comic book writer. This is your... your, uh, 
your start in novels, writing novels, is a fairly new thing. Well, it's only a new thing in the sense that I finally learn how to do it. I've been trying to write novels all my life, and I've written probably 25 huge stacks of paper that were just awful. <laughs> I'm just a slow learner, but I did learn. Well, David Gerald, who is a wonderful film, uh, not just a film writer, but a, a wonderful writing teacher, uh, I think the most important thing I learned from him was the, the first million words are just practice. So That's exactly All you've right. got is practice. That's exactly right. You can right. sell your practice, but... <laughs> Don't take it too seriously. So you've got uh, you've got a couple of very popular comic book uh, comic book characters already. Nexus is extremely popular and has a very deep, rich storyline as well. Uh, I call following, and for that I'm grateful. Yeah, that is it's just, and this is an independent press. Uh, which which press is is it with? I can't remember. Well, right now we're with Dark Horse, but when we began. Ah. Comics was our first publisher, and then we went to First, uh -huh. and went to Dark Horse, and then Steve published a series his own of his own under Rude Dude, and now we're back with Dark Horse. That's like number three, wouldn't you say? Yeah, I think yeah. so. Now, what about what about Badger? Badger is such an interesting character to start with. I mean, he's uh, he's kind of all over the map. Uh-oh, dog. Badger is a multiple personality, only one of which is a costume crime fighter. And we have a dog problem. Dog problem? <laughs> a dog in. Yeah, the just dog walked just sort in. of walked in, knocked everything over and very loudly and walked out. Okay, so let's let's take it again from <laughs> let's take it again from who is the badger and why don't we have him on t-shirts and pajamas? <laughs> The Badger is a multiple personality, only one of whom is costume crime fighters. There are, there are seven personalities inhabiting uh, Norbert Sykes, who's the core personality. That's what he was born. Uh, and this came about because uh, Capital City said, give us, give us a costume crime fighter. And I thought, why would anybody put on a costume and fight crime? They'd have to be crazy. And that was inspiration. <laughs> And, and I was walking down State Street in Madison, Wisconsin, which is the Badger State, and the Badgers are the state, uh, the university football team. Was oh, bad, just Badger that, so it, it all just kind of zapped together. Yeah, so the Badger's one personality that's a crime fighter. Right. So he's, he's, does he wake up in costume and in other character, with other characters uh, driving the boat? Well, he will switch personalities, and it can be caused by anything. Uh, most significantly, a, a different aroma, which can snap a personality, a multiple, from one personality to the next. Uh, and that frequently happens to him. Or it could be uh, music. It, it could be certain words that people say to him. It depends on the type of story I want to tell. Because when you get into the realities of multiple personality, they're pretty grim, and we've dealt with them in the past. What kind of powers does the Badger have? Well, uh, he can he switch from personality to personality. I guess his only real superpower is, is uh, he claims to understand animals and has long conversations with them. But he's a very tough guy. Very tough guy. Oh, okay. So he's uh, he's just... This is why he is a costumed a... crime fighter and not necessarily he... a superhero. Ah, yeah, I see. Quite a difference. Yeah, that's quite another matter. So, 
I, I'm intrigued by the fact that uh, uh, you seem to have this running theme of nutcases as, uh, <laughs> as uh, dominant characters in your work. Well, Norma's well, boring. Well, I suppose so. But... Uh, obsession is always interesting, and so I'm drawn to obsessed characters. So the Otto's uh, Otto's job is to to find out exactly what all this uh, what's causing the spontaneous combustions and neutralizing it. And what he discovers is going to cause your head to explode. There's a genre twist in the middle of the book that that people cannot believe. Everybody who's read it says my head exploded at that point. And I, had I have to see, I left off just before that point, and I know I did. I can see it drawing near whatever it is. I got. I I started this reading this afternoon, and my head is about to explode. I know it. She got about forty-five percent of the way through the book in like oh. two and a half hours. I'm one of those. One of the, I'm one of those crazy, yeah, impossibly up. fast readers without whom this show would be impossible to maintain. <laughs> yeah, but I wish somebody had told me we were doing this sooner. Yes, well. <laughs> Meanwhile, back at the back at this book. Well, you know, uh, I've written uh, uh, a horror novel, too, Helmet Head, which is kind of a take on The Legend of Sleepy Hollow with bikers. And I've been working on this story for years. But, you know, I can't... Well, I, can, I stole The Legend of Sleepy Hollow first. Well, actually, I didn't. But but that's the thematic about it. It's about Nazi biker zombies, and uh, it's the best Nazi biker zombie novel out there right now. <laughs> I'd I'd be inclined to agree, sight unseen. <laughs> but zombies are big now, though. That that can be marketed. That needs to be a movie. Oh yeah, it's no that's, kidding. I originally conceived it as a movie, and God willing, it will be. I'm working with a filmmaker on it. Uh, yeah. Oh, so you're actually you're actually uh, courting someone who can produce this thing. I mean, courting, well, courting production of it. This is her life. Uh huh. Uh, maybe not. But, but anyhow, he's a good guy. He's a friend of mine. He wants to do it. He's made a film. Uh, of course, there's no money attached right now. We're trying to whip up a little interest in it. But but uh, that's going to happen because. I'm turning out a series of horror novels. And really, I'm surprised as anyone at this stage in my career to be writing horror. I never thought I would, but that's what I seem to be specializing in. I'm going to have two more books out this year. Scorpio, about a ghost who only appears under a blazing sun. And Banshees, about a satanic rock band that comes back from the dead. Uh, wouldn't have anything to do with Susie, would it? Susie and the Banshees. I doubt no. it. No. Nope. nope. <laughs> I'm just I'm just teasing you. I I didn't think it would, but I I kind of find this this approach intriguing because um, mental mental disability can be quite horrific in its own right, and so so you have this whole uh, uh, you have this whole approach to uh, to a genre with uh, with this effect of it sort of built in. Well, yes. are you referring to Badger? You're well, we're referring to Badger and, and, and Otto. Otto and, you know... And I mean, real, real reality is horrific enough. How do you make it more horrible than that? <laughs> Obsession is always interesting. So what real-life obsessive persons have inspired you to go, go beyond them? Um, well, I a lot of the badger came from a book called 
uh, The Minds of Billy Milligan by hmm. Daniel Keyes, who wrote Flowers for Algernon. He did. And oh. it was one of the first serious studies of multiples, and that affected me a great deal when I read about what he went through and, and how he acted out. It, it served as, as inspiration for this to some extent. Right now, uh, the psychiatric community has decided that multiple personality disorder does not exist. They may change their mind again next week. I mean, they issue an edict practically every other week. They, they bring one disease up, they lower another disease down. But no I guess it's just not sure. the popular disease this week. <sighs> well, a lot of people have tried to use it to avoid responsibility for their crimes, and it's very hard to fake. I'm just, I'm, that surprises me, because uh, I have known people myself that had multiple personality disorder, and it's, it's, uh, it's a very strange state of being. Yeah, it's, who's it's to unmistakable. say? If people are faking it, they're, they're sick enough that they might as well have it. Yeah, that's yeah. that's also true. Sadly, fear is not a disease. <laughs> fear of whatever's worse, than whatever they're trying to avoid. <laughs> well, it's a coping mechanism for things that are too horrible to live with, essentially. So just switch personalities and don't deal with it. So how long did it take you to to get whack job off the uh, off the three by five cards and it, between the uh, between, between the, covers. the covers? Years. I I've been trying to write that story for uh, ten years, and I must have written it completely at least three times. But it was finally after I wrote Banshees. And I realized I was on top of it. Then I started again, and this time I knew it was for real. So did the did you end up having to do? I mean, just chuck the whole thing and start from scratch, or did you no, take the well, bones yeah, of each? Yeah, I started from scratch, but the plot didn't change that much. The plot was always fixed in my mind. Mm -hmm. It was the treatment. It's not what you say; it's the way that you say it, and, and, and that's important of all fiction. I, I, people can peddle the most preposterous plots. My plot is pre preposterous, but it's credible within the, the concept of the story. It's the narrative voice that pulls you through the novel. You have to speak to the reader in such a way that the words disappear, the act of reading disappears, and the reader is living the story because he or she identifies so closely with their characters and situations. That means stay out of the room while we're reading. <laughs> That's good, yeah. yeah. I found uh, I found the character... Um, uh, Quinn the Eskimo, you know, kind of a, you know, I th he was sort of a throw-in. Well, uh, I, but, I think uh, he's going to come up, come up later. He may oh, he may uh, explode our heads. Oh yeah. But he's oh that guy's brutal. I mean he's just he, he's like uh, um, Hannibal Lecter. <laughs> he's one he's, of those unstoppable. Well, I wouldn't put him in that class, but he's bad news for sure. Yeah. Well, he, well, no, he's not a cannibal, but uh, he's certainly he's certainly cold cold-blooded and he's Certain. able to separate what he does from from what he thinks of himself in, in no uncertain terms he's very very capable of keeping those two worlds separate yeah well and that's i think that probably more than anything is what makes him as dangerous as he is that's almost a form of multiple personality in itself isn't it yeah I, yeah i think you're right i think you're right i think you're right I think anybody who does something difficult, brutal, but what they consider necessary to have a, a normal life at the end of the day is... Well, you have you've to seen have that The Sopranos, right? Sure. 
Yeah. Well, there well, you go. What's 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 your next project after those, though? The one I'm working on right now is a haunted house story, and I really don't want to discuss it because it's 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 it's, it's too much. Uh, I'm very happy with it. It's probably my most ambitious novel yet. It's about a whole bunch of things. First and foremost, of which is scaring the hell out. Okay, scare me to death. Come on, scare me to death. <laughs> but it's inspired by a real house and real uh, incidences, and, and people relate to that. But but it's been recast in such a way that, that I expect readers will be surprised, very surprised. Who are your uh, Who are your influences? Who do you Who are your heroes? Who scares you? Whose Whose work scares the hell out of you? Well, in the Steve middle of the night, scared me. And, and Robert R. McCammon is one of my favorite scary authors. I even like him more than King. But as far as influences go. There's Carl Barks, who taught me pacing and storytelling. Philip Jose Farmer, who kind of uncapped my imagination. Uh, John D. McDonald, whose moral tales of, of crime, especially the Travis McGee novels, have always inspired me. And a Western writer named Peter Brandwood. Now, Peter Brand, he's, he's uh, one of those guys that just produces uh, novel after novel. And he knows Are you he's like. With this work? I've I've heard of it. Well, yeah, and my father's my father my father loves loves the westerns. Uh, yeah, my, Pete, my father's so, got every Louis L'Amour book ever printed. Peter's been uh, compared to Louis L'Amour, and he he produces at least six novels a year. They're mostly westerns. They're all about sixty five thousand words, but his writing is extremely vivid. And Peter's helped me a lot. You can't produce at that rate of speed without really knowing your stuff. Well, to a certain extent, he's got it down to a formula. Mm -hmm. But people will buy the formula. It's Absolutely. not for everybody, and it's not for every reader. Well, and that's, you know, I think that's one of the important takeaways here is that, uh, uh, you know, you, you can have influences uh, from all sorts of different authors and take a, a different thing away from each one and every one of them has something to something to teach you well and maybe to teach uh, fans too because uh, science fiction fans in particular get very tetchy when their their favorite living authors are you know take a little too long writing their next opus it's been such a to-do about George R.R. R. Martin and why won't he finish the next book? Because it's not done yet. <laughs> or, or if they're so gauchous to die before their saga is finished. Oh, yeah. oh, well, at least, you know, Robert Jordan arranged for that, though. And Terry Pratchett is arranging for that. Yes, yes. He's he's not doing as well as he might. and He's, uh, he's worked it out to where his, his daughter is going to carry the torch and at least finish the next book. Well, I think that... doesn't make it. Well, you know, we'll see. You know, the next book's in the pipeline. You know, there's there's a couple books in the pipeline. There's Raising Steam that's due out in October. Mm -hmm. But uh, after that, who knows? But um, he, he's got a whole company, a whole... He, we're supposed to get some, some announcements on, on that soon. There's also TV production possibly coming. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, but... This is not for Mike's show. <laughs> so has, plan ahead. That's yeah, have you had uh, have you had much of your work converted into teleplays, Mike? No, not at this point. But, well, jolly but you're well looking, shit. what you're, you're it seems like a natural thing though, you know, because you've yeah, done so I, much work in comic books. Extremely vivid and uh, exciting and, and fresh. They're 
they're completely original and, and they have enormous storytelling books. I'm very confident of my work. The problem, of course, is I'm self-publishing. I, I have uh, no publisher behind me, no advertising budget. I've got to promote it all myself on the Internet. And I'm not very good at that, you know. So I'm always reaching out to people who can help me to try to make this stuff go viral. That's what we're here for. We can appreciate it. keep up a, a, a conversation here without going... Duh, 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 duh. Well, maybe we can hook him up with a publisher, too. Well, I don't know we which do know one. a couple we of know, publishers. We know, well, not big ones. Not big oh, ones, now but... you've done it. <laughs> yeah, we do know... Yeah, they're not small big publishers, public. but he's got... Well, I don't... You know, unless he's sitting downstairs in a print with a printing press, he's he's got a publisher. I mean... Except, is that... Are the paperbacks and stuff coming out through, like, Amazon or something, or...? Well, my books come out on CreateSpace, which is part of Amazon... They will print one book or a thousand books on demand. So you can order all three of my novels in paper. Well, that's great because a lot of people just, you know, aren't comfortable with uh, uh, with electronic media. No kidding. They just, they don't, if the batteries die, <laughs> you're out of luck. Or, uh, or something happens to it or, I mean, uh, one of the... I'm just what I'm worried about with whack jobs so far is what if the the government decides it's it's too too difficult and and too close to what was really happening and they're going to pull all the copies including the ones on already on my Kindle. Oh, <laughs> I, oh this this yeah. actually happened uh, back in uh, I think it was nineteen. Uh, 1947? Oh, you mean um, the the Heinlein story? Yeah. Oh, uh, well, yeah, but they didn't go into anybody's Kindle because they didn't well, have Well, no, that's true, but... They did tell well, him he couldn't well, tell, publish. Tell, tell, as, oh, tell the story. What the hell was that called? I can't remember the name of the story. Yet. But it was about... Uh, it was, uh, a, it, it, it was pretty about much, the atomic bomb. He figured out the, the Manhattan Project, more or less. Oh. And he wrote it in a story. And uh, the government came and said... And he said he, he, don't do this. <laughs> yeah. You really yeah, stop do doing this. <laughs> huh. And uh, and they they he he had to pull the story. He can't. What year? I'm, gonna, I'm gonna go pop over the computer and get that title. What year was this? Susan's going to Mid, look it up. She, yeah. Go. Yeah. She's she. Susan's going to uh, go over and through the magic of Google, we'll have the answer in a moment. Have you? Uh, so, but you've. You've done a lot of comic books, and uh, it's it just seems like uh, writing a screenplay would be a, a very natural sort of uh, medium to work in for you. Well, I have written screenplays. In fact, uh, Helmet Head began as a screenplay, mm-hmm. and I think I understand that form pretty well. In fact, I got one up on Amazon called The Iron Triangle, which we're going to try and turn into a graphic novel, which is made for a movie. It's... It's kind of kung fu meets Hitchcock. Huh? Well, you know, that it's it's like uh, oh, I want to say the the Maltese Falcon. You know, oh, where, where you have well, where you have uh, uh, dark forces moving behind the scenes, and you see all the shadows, but you don't actually see a lot of it directly. You know, it's not spelled out for you, but it's the implication of what could happen is so great. That, yep, it's uh, a terrific movie. Well, if I can point out, right now Nexus is involved in a time travel story where it goes back to 19th century England and hooks up with Sherlock Holmes and H.G. Wells. Ah, great. 
And this is appearing right now in Dark Horse Presents, which comes out every month. So Dark Horse, uh, how did that how did that deal work out with Dark Horse? Did you? I mean, is it a, a Dark Horse Presents thing, or is it a regular title for Dark Horse? Or well, it's it's eight pages a month in Dark Horse Presents. Sometimes ten pages because the dude cannot be restrained. Uh-huh. But all these all these episodes will be gathered together in trade paperbacks. We already have enough for a thick one. We would be doing a monthly issue, except Steve just can't do it anymore. Uh-huh. And I'm not sure that there's enough of a market out there to, s- to support a separate title. We were doing that at, at uh, Dark Horse uh, 10 or 15 years ago, and, and Mike said, look, guys, the only way we can publish this now and make any money is in black and white. So we did four black and white issues. So I, there's, a, there's a Nexus omnibus. Yes, there is. There's lots of Nexus books. Yeah, there's going to be at least four of those. There are 12 issues of uh, Nexus archives available from Dark Horse as well. Once you publish the first books, that those got picked up by Dark Horse as well. Well, uh, when first went under, uh, Mike Richardson was interested in, in both my titles, and so we went with Dark Horse. And I've never regretted it uh, Mike took the unprecedented step of returning the copyright and trademark to Steve Rude and I, which I don't think has ever been done before in the comic industry. I don't think it ever has either. I've never heard of that. That's that's very rare and very generous. <laughs> very of honorable. Yeah, because usually what happens is the publishers just sit on these things and the hell with the creators. Yeah. So where are my badger pajamas? <laughs> no, where's the where's the swag? <laughs> I got t-shirts for sale. Okay, well we'll have to go look those up. So if we wanted to buy if we wanted to buy your books, we would look under obviously we'd look under Amazon uh for yes, Mike Barron's available on Amazon. And uh or or your website. <clears throat> well, we don't have a store set up yet. I'm not sure we're going to do that. We're not very good at that sort of thing, but it's possible. I trouble finding Mike or Michael Barron on, on Amazon, so I went through bloodyredbaron.com was it? And yeah. and found the links on your website, so that helped. That's right. Bloodyredbaron.net Net. I apologize. Now now I've got Snoopy and the Red Baron song running through my head. Thank you so much. Could be worse. Oh, it could be a lot worse. Could so, be rap. No. <laughs> Not in my head. So you collaborated with... Uh, with the other six people in your no, head. No, I I'm sorry. You you collaborated with uh, Steve Rude to do the books. Yeah. How uh did Steve come up with story elements or story ideas while you were doing the Nexus and Well, not for the first fifteen or twenty years or so, but lately he has, and uh, I always listen and if they're good ideas I use them. Also Steve's responsible for a lot of those characters that have moved to the foreground and are just great supporting characters because he, he would draw them in such an intriguing way that I feel obliged to bring them back and give them personalities. Boy, never never underestimate the power of a supporting character. I mean, you can sometimes just look at a supporting character and you say to yourself, I want to know what's happening with him. Yeah, it's like, I want to know oh, more. that guy's got a backstory. You know, you just look at him and you, you see the look in his eye and you know that there's something going on. So... The first Nexus book was in uh, published in January of 1981, 
and the most recent one was published in 1990. Oh, that's not true. Uh, no? Steve Rude released a series on Rude Dude. Oh, uh, okay. Well, you need, uh, yeah, you need to go into... Yeah, you need to go... Get, get Wikipedia to correct their numbers. <laughs> well, the problem is that's a stealth book. Unless you get it from Steve or me, you can't get it. Oh, you, I see. Well, no. it still needs to be logged and, and uh, yeah, acknowledged. Yeah. And, and it's possible that Dark Horse will reprint those sometime. It's an interesting world. You know, the the, the secondary the, the uh, secondary stories, the secondary titles. Dark Horse Presents is a comic book title intended to showcase some of the more off-the-beaten-track stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, it isn't all just the big three or, um, you know, Marvel, DC, and what is it, Image now? And Dark Horse. Uh, four publishers and the stuff that they create in-house. There are, uh, There's a whole world out there that... If it wasn't for things like Dark Horse Presents, a lot of people would never get to see it. I, I think there needs to be, like, a sidekicks title, but... The lead, League of Super Sidekicks. Come on. Well, uh, there was a title by uh, Steve Veitch called Brat Pack, which was about teen sidekicks. It was quite risque. Ooh. <laughs> well, yeah, I guess you could call Teen Titans that, something like that. Well, I think, uh, isn't it? At least at the beginning, it was all, you know. J. Michael Straczynski actually has a book called Sidekicking now. Oh, really? Uh, I have to go yeah, look comic that comic novel. You know, it's the uh, the hero that the sidekick is sidekick too. Is this kind of self-aggrandizing fathead, and his his logo is his own portrait. That's what's oh, on his mom. chest. Yeah. Does that remind you something? I'm sorry, we missed what you said. Never mind. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I meant to say Tom Bites. It was Tom Bites who created that. Man. Ah. Ooh. Thank you. Thank you. I'm going to go back, read the book, and probably record something when my head explodes. That'd be great. Because that's going to happen. Yeah. I would wear a helmet. Yeah, but helmet head will come to get me. (laughs) Yeah. Good point. (laughs) So Nexus has a big cult following, you said. Uh, Well, he's got a cult following. I don't know how big it is. uh Uh-huh. It's not the size of the cult. It's the magic in it. That's right. It's It's the... Monomania of the members. It's. I just. Uh, I love the fact that 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 is possible. You know that uh, these kinds of things can be built uh, out of the creativity of our own minds and um, and put forth and made into real things. And it's it's uh, real comic books. Yeah, real comic books. I mean, there's been so many people I know want to make comic books and just they don't have the art skill or they don't have the writing skill or they don't have either one or they don't have the money or they don't have the time and it's just you have to have this perfect storm in order to produce a comic book at all but all the good is it's not gold Uh, by the way Badger will be out in the fall from First Comics again hooray okay what kind of story can we look forward to for Badger Uh, uh, it's going to be pretty crazy uh, let me just say this, that the bad guy is Vladimir Putin. And boy, is he going to get news. <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay. Well, I guess we'll have to look forward to that. The gayest man in the world. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah, try to arrest the badger. Go ahead. 
Oh, this is going to be fun. Okay, well, we'll be there at the comic book store and release date and have to grab that one. So, which, uh, are, are you going to comic book conventions? Do you have plans for, for this summer? Well, I don't know. I, I was in Albuquerque and Denver. We're going to be at Salt Lake City in February. Or, uh, oh. No, excuse me, September. September. Oh, yeah, us too. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. Must, we must actually, do lunch. Let's get together. Yeah, yeah actually, actually, yeah. I mean, we've been... Look uh, for the lab coats. We're, we're... All right. Yeah, uh, we're, we're actually going to be... Uh, October. We're actually going to be... Uh, um, uh, the MCs for some of the panels and some of the events and right and uh, yeah it was let's see if we can hook up for a panel I, I don't know what panels they have me on maybe not but you could suggest some I'd be happy to participate absolutely yeah and uh, and we just found out that uh, one of our other shows Stolen Droids uh, those guys are going to be in Salt Lake for the for the uh, Salt Lake Comic Con. So we're all gonna... They're high tech with an attitude. Oh yeah, they are. They're like I do, and I would enjoy listening to them, even if I we weren't associated. In that case, we'll we see will, you there. And... We will see you there, and uh, we we should try to hook up. Okay. So you... uh, listen, if you guys have any more questions or need more words, don't hesitate to call me back. It could happen. It could happen. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you very much, Mike Barron, for appearing well, on the Event Horizon. Uh, we'd like to ask you to do one more thing before you go, and that's if you could give us a station ID. This is Mike Barron, creator of Nexus and Badger, and you're listening to Krypton Radio. All right, I'm out of here, guys. Okay. Take care. Cool. You're welcome. You Thank you. Good night. Bye-bye. What did you do? Right. I have no idea. You have just heard episode 24 of the Krypton Radio original series, The Event Horizon, for August 3rd, 2013. Our guest was Mike Barron, comic book writer and creator of the characters The Badger and Nexus, and the author of the new novel, Whack Job. Your hosts have been Krypton Radio General Manager Gene Turnbow and executive producer Susan Fox. This episode will air again Sunday, August 4th at 4 p.m. Pacific, 7 p.m. Eastern Time. The Event Horizon title sequence was written and produced by Gene Turnbow. The part of the science officer was played by renowned science fiction illustrator Mark Schermeister. The part of the engineer was played by fandom dignitary Christopher B. McGuire. The navigator was played by Corsair's closet producer Christine Cherry. And the role of the captain was voiced by science fiction legend and novelist Larry Neville. This program and its contents are copyright 2013 by Krypton Media Incorporated. Stay tuned for more great music and tonight's episode of X-1. The Event Horizon. It's sci-fi for your Wi-Fi. <laughs>